Hallelujah. Why don't we clap our hands unto the Lord? Somebody shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful for the word of God? Anybody thankful for Summit Conference? Thankful for the word that went forward? Amen. For the healing that went forward? Amen. How many are willing, amen, and ready to take that word forward into your life? Hallelujah. I don't want it to just be a conference, but I want it to be a way of life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, the book of Romans, chapter number 16, what a privilege and an honor it is to be in the house of the Lord. Still basking in the, the glory from Summit Conference. Amen. My family and I have attended Summit Conference for... Uh, well, since 2016, it's been a great blessing. We were able this year to get a little bit of a peek behind the scenes, and I want to say that uh, the half was not told to me, amen, of how hard this church works to prepare. And um, from the bottom of my heart, amen, and my family, on behalf of my family, I say thank you, amen. How many thankful for the vision of your pastor? Amen. Amen. I know he's not here tonight, but I give him honor. Also, Sister Mayo. Amen. Love and appreciate them very much. Uh, my wife and children are not here tonight. The kids are a little under the weather. Um, but I know they're with me here in spirit. Amen. How many ready for the word of the Lord? The book of Romans, chapter number 16, going to the 20th verse. Romans chapter number 16, verse number 20. When you're there, say amen. amen. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And for the next several moments, I would like to preach on a subject titled, Underneath Your Feet. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's put our Bibles down and let's lift our hands to heaven. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We know that your word is anointed. We know that it is sharper than any other two-edged sword. I pray, God, that you would touch my mind, that I could think your thoughts, loose my lips, that I might speak your words, and touch amen, the hearts and the ears of the hearers, that they might receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. One more time, why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him some praise. God bless you. You can be seated, but not sedated. Praise God. From the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, Satan, or the devil, is on a downward trajectory. When he is first introduced, he is introduced as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. It is no coincidence that he is presented as a creature that by definition is as far from heaven on earth as you can possibly get. However, this is not how he was first created. In the book of Isaiah, chapter number 14, verse number 12, the prophet Isaiah gives the heavenly account of the fall of Lucifer, or Satan. The prophet says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? 
How art thou cut down to the ground, thou which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mounts of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. It was after exalting himself that he fell like lightning to earth. And here we see him in the Garden of Eden in the form of a serpent. Not a bird, not a dog, but a serpent. Amen. And we know that he deceives Eve and she eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She gives to her husband uh, who was not deceived but simply disobeyed and he ate as well. And the serpent after this is immediately judged by God and his judgment seals his downward trajectory even further. The Lord says in chapter number 3, verses 14 of Genesis, that because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. He started up in heaven, then he went to earth, and then he's even lower to the earth still. Not only is he further bound to the earth, but it's prophesied Amen. To the woman and to her seed that they would crush the head of the serpent under, amen, the heel of the seed of the woman. That's in Genesis chapter number 3 verses 15. God says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Amen. As if that was not enough in the book of Revelation, amen, chapter number 12, verses 7 through 9, it says, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven, and the great dragon was cast out. And we see a little glimpse of who we're talking about here. It says, That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The devil is on a unredeemable, irreparable, downward trajectory. And we're not going to go ahead and let him get back up. We're going to go ahead and let him stay down. Hallelujah. Amen. I know you might be wondering why I'm preaching about the devil on a Tuesday night at Cornerstone at a Bible study, but I have not come to exalt him. In fact, I've come to do the opposite. I've come to put him in his place, and that is under the feet of the saints of the living God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I thought it ended there, but it don't end there. All the way clear up until the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation. Amen. John the Revelator gives us one final glimpse into the ultimate destiny of Satan. He says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. And he bound him a thousand years. Amen. Hallelujah. There is simply no end in sight. In fact, there is a place simply reserved only for the devil amen, and his compadres. And that is called the bottomless pits, where he will fall and fall and fall and fall. I'm telling you, we serve a victorious God. 
Amen. We serve a, we serve a victorious Christ. Amen. We serve, we belong to a victorious church. Our God has the victory. Our church has the victory. And it's not the will of God for us to sit here without the victory. And I know he's going to be defeated. And I know he's going down to the pit. And I know, but I'm telling you, some of you have come here tonight. And then you're, you're wondering if you can have the victory. And I've been sent here to remind you that God just doesn't want to crush him. He wants to crush him underneath your feet as well. It's not the will of God that we belong to a victorious body of Christ. But as individuals, we live under the condemnation and the thumb of the devil. There are several key areas in which we need, amen, to put the devil under our feet. The first, amen, is in our own thoughts and imagination. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to remind us tonight that we are not simply engaged, amen, in a physical combat. We are not engaged in a political uh, conflict. We are not engaged, uh, amen, hallelujah, in some form uh, of physical altercation. But we are fighting a battle in the spiritual realm. And I know it's easy, amen, to want to find a physical problem to the things that are going on around us. And I know what it's like, amen, I got a few conspiracies of my own, hallelujah, amen, to want to find out who is behind all the things that are going wrong in our world. And I know some of you already figured out who the Antichrist is, I mean, you got his phone number, got his Twitter handle. But let me remind you that the Bible says that it was the devil who deceived the whole world and who weakened the nations. And it can be so easy at times and so tempting, amen, to want to find solutions, amen, to our problems in the physical, but they do not originate in the physical realm. They originate in no other place other than the pits of hell and from the devil himself. And when we come to church, amen, the reason why we can forego, amen, all of the political action is because we are confronting the deceiver, amen, right at the very source, I know it's easy to look around the condition of the world and want to try to figure out and, and want to try to, I'm telling you, I mean, some of us have evangelized more for, for, for our own ideas of why we think the world is falling apart, I and mean, then we've evangelized for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am guilty, trust me. I think we're all a little bit guilty, but I think it's high time the church of the living God got back to its original job description. And we started confronting the devil. And then not your neighbor. And then not the, not the governor, not the local government, not the president, but the devil. Not your wife, not your husband, but the devil. We have to conquer our own thoughts and imaginations. The devil is on a ridiculous downward trajectory. But that downward trajectory creates a vortex. 
And that's why we feel the pull, amen, of our flesh. And that's why we feel the, the pull and the, and the, the aeronautic wake. I don't know what, how to describe it, but I'm telling you, all of us have come, amen, under the pressure, under the immense pressure uh, to do things that we did not want to do and to say things we didn't want to say. And uh, we, uh, these temptations exist. Uh, and, but the devil is going down. And in, his, and in his downward trajectory, he's trying his very best to latch on to anybody who would. And so, amen, he can't be exalted, but he can be exalted against the knowledge of God. This is how I like to put it. You know, all of us, we have things that are very special to us, or they're not very special to us. Either way, we put them in certain places. And there's just some things that when you put somewhere and someone moves it, you just get a little perturbed. You know, I mean, everybody has that one thing that if you move it, you know you're going to get in trouble with them. Amen. Well, God has ordained this downward trajectory that Satan is on. And if he is exalted against the knowledge of God, as in if someone begins to exalt him, despite the fact that God has already put him in his place, that's when things get a little bit rocky in the heavenlies. And uh, uh, simply put, uh, you know, a lot of times we think of, you know, we think of exalting the devil, we think of devil worshipers, and we, get, we, we take it to the extreme. But the reality is, you know, there, uh, Bishop Mayo preached a message a few weeks ago uh, called The Power of Permission. Amen. Incredible sermon. If you have not listened to it, I highly recommend you go listen to it. But the reality is we can be in a victorious church. We can be serving a victorious God. But we can be struggling to get the victory ourselves. That's because we haven't conquered our thoughts and our imaginations. And it's not the will of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted by the devil. In fact, it says that he took him to an exceeding high place. I mean, don't think that God is the only one that's willing to take you higher. The devil's willing to take you higher if it means he can get you to fall harder. In fact, after he took him to that high place, it says that he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And then the imagination, the root word of imagination is image. And all of us are, are, are inherently born with the, with, the, with, with, the at, with the attribute that God has given us. And it's the power to produce mental images. Amen. And the reality is the internet is just an extension of an ability that we already have. All technologies, all inventions are simply extensions, uh, amen, of, of what we already are, what we already have as human beings. Uh, amen, your automobile is an extension, amen, of your feet. Amen, uh, the hammer is an extension of your hands. Uh, and the internet is an extension of your God-given ability to project images. People pretend that if the internet disappeared, lust would disappear. They were dealing with lust before there was the internet. But what needs to be conquered is the imagination. What needs to be conquered is everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What needs to be brought into captivity is every single thought that is... <laughs> Blessed is the man... 
that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It's a progression. He won't walk there, and man, if he won't walk there, he won't stand there, and if he won't stand there, he won't sit there. There's just some places you have to determine, I will protect my mind. I will protect my imagination. I... But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree which is planted by the rivers of waters. I'm telling you, you are what you feed your mind. And I'm telling you, some of us have become slaves to our own imagination, to our own thoughts, and to our own machinations, and to our own dreams. And it's not the will of God that you are a prisoner in your own body, in your own mind, in your own house. We need the victory over our thoughts. The devil took him up to an exceeding high place, and then he took him to church. It says that he took him to Jerusalem, and he took him to the pinnacle of the temple. And then he, com- and then he said, throw yourself down. Listen, you're not the only one who comes to church with crazy thoughts. And you look around, and you think, man, everybody here looks so nice and sane. Looked like they had a wonderful week. No, we had quite the week as well. Listen, you can come to church with crazy thoughts, but don't leave with crazy thoughts. He said, look, you go ahead and jump. And he even had scripture for it. He said, it's written. That he will give his angels charge over thee. They're going to catch you. Amen. The devil will take you to high places. The devil will take you to church. The devil will take you, not just to church, he'll take you to to the highest point. And then he'll try to drop you. I mean, he will take you to Summit in Spokane, Washington. You'll hear the greatest preaching. I mean, you'll hear things you ain't never heard. And then come Monday morning, he's trying to drop you back on your head. I'm telling you, that's not the will of God. It ain't the will of God. In the name of Jesus, we've come to get victory in our thoughts. Amen. We haven't come, amen, hallelujah, this far, amen, just to get dropped on our heads. I'm telling you, we've come to, we've come to stomp on the devil's head in Jesus' name. I haven't been healed, blessed, touched, amen, hallelujah, prophesied to, preached to, amen, just to be depressed. God has too much of an investment in you. There's too much preaching in you. There's too much word in you for you to jump now, hallelujah. Uh, there's no, somebody clap your hands and give him the praise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We have to get the victory over our thoughts, over our imagination. And then we can have the victory over evil and unclean spirits. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter number 8, 
of a man by the name of, well, we don't know his name. We only know him as the Gadarean maniac. He was so violent that they had to bind him with chains that he would continually break because he was homicidal. He lived in the tombs because he was suicidal. He referred to himself as Legion, whose pronouns, by the way, were they and them. I know, I know what you're thinking, but you know what? God wants to give us the victory over the unclean spirits of our region. And the Bible says that no man could pass that way because that man had bound up that area. And then Jesus came. And then he healed him. And then he was clothed and in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then Jesus sent those same spirits into a herd of swine who swiftly ran off the edge of a cliff and killed themselves. Let me remind you that there are spirit that, that if the devil could, he would just kill everyone he had influence over. But all he could do to this young man was get him to live in the tombs, hoping one day that he would either take his own life or somebody would put him out of his misery. But because Jesus and his disciples had authority over unclean spirits, and then they were able to open up a region that people were not able to pass through for years. In fact, that young man was not even from Gadara. He was from Decapolis, amen, which was a metropolitan city. Amen, it was, a, it was a metro area of 10 cities. Amen, I'm telling you, these spirits will always take people from miles away and will send them to an area that the devil would like to lock up. But I'm telling you, Spokane, amen, has another thing coming. Hallelujah. We're going to see the suicidal. We're going to see the homicidal. We're going to see the confused, the tormented, sitting at the feet of Jesus. I don't know about you. The Bible says that they tried to bind him and they tried to help him. You know what I believe? I believe he went to the other churches in the neighborhood. And they tried to, they tried Hey man, we're going to get people in this church that have been to all the churches in the neighborhood. But they, but they couldn't do nothing. All they, all they could do was try to bind them. All they could do was try to physically constrain them. But I'm telling you, when they come to Cornerstone, because this is a congregation that's victorious. And it's victorious because it's made up of people who are victorious. And when that spirit walks through the door, it doesn't matter how much drugs, how much alcohol, how much perversion. I'm telling you, it's somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands right now. Let's love the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, in the name of Jesus.
when the devils left the man, they went into the herd of swine, and they went down. The devil has no options. He only has one direction that he can possibly go. But he has to encounter people who have authority over unclean spirits. You see, God promised Eve that the, he, in fact, the promise wasn't really to Eve. The promise was to the serpent. If you read who God was speaking to in Genesis chapter number 3. He said, the seed of the woman, I will put enmity between thee, thy seed and her seed. And so we understand that this is a messianic prophecy concerning the manifestation of God in flesh, Jesus Christ. And a lot of times, amen, if I can just digress for a moment, amen, we, we look at Jesus and some people don't really understand exactly why we worship Jesus. Amen. Uh, furthermore, some people wonder why God couldn't have come at any point in history and done the work of redemption. Well, it's because God placed a set of restraints and constraints upon himself. Amen. And that is he is true to his promises. And the first promise he made was to the devil. And that it would be the seed of the woman. Meaning it would be a genuine human being. It would be a man. Amen. Who would crush the head of the serpent. Furthermore, when Abraham came along, amen, God told him, in thee all the families of the world would be blessed. And then old David came along. And then he said, God said to David, I'm going to establish your throne forever. And, and just to make it more specific, amen, he even promised that it would be a virgin that would conceive. And as if that was not enough, he even said it would be, amen, out of Bethlehem, amen, one would come whose going forth have been from everlasting. Let me just remind you that the reason why we worship Jesus is because, uh, amen, he is God in flesh. And you can be right a couple of times, but you can't be right that many times. Amen. He was the seed of a woman. He was the son of Abraham. He was the son of David, born in the city of David, Bethlehem. Hallelujah. That's why we're here. And we worship him because he's God, manifest in the flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. In the beginning was the word. We know the word was made flesh and the, it, he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. This is foundational. This is common. Amen. But I want to remind you that the promise, amen, of the serpent being crushed, amen, this was supposed to be the job of, of the seed of the woman. And so how is it that Paul says in Romans chapter number 16, verses 20, that the God of peace will crush Satan underneath your feet? Amen. Well, I want to put it to you this way. Amen. In Galatians 3.27, as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So if you want the victory, you have to understand that it's going to be Christ who's going to crush the head of the serpent. But if you're in Christ while he's crushing the serpent, that means you're crushing the serpent too. And if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, I mean, there's no other way, I mean, that you can get victory over the devil in your life unless you put on Christ and are in Christ. And I believe I'm talking to a group of one God apostolics, I mean, who, are, who have been baptized into Christ. 
And so every time, amen, it prophesies that God would do something, amen, to the devil, you have to remember that we are. Hallelujah. We have the victory. It's time to lift up our hands, lift up our head. I'm telling you, I have come to the point in my walk with God that I have come to the revelation that if I don't have the victory, it's because I simply don't want it. If you're here tonight, I don't know. I, before I came here tonight, I got into my car. And I don't smoke cigarettes. Thank God I never have and I never will. But I got into my car and I smelled cigarettes. Nobody was inside of my car who smoked cigarettes. And my wife don't smoke cigarettes and my kids don't smoke cigarettes. And I was kind of confused. And I was a little bewildered. And I smelt it quite strong. And... Uh, and I just came to tell somebody tonight, I feel like somebody's struggling with smoking cigarettes. And I don't know who you are, but God came here to tell me, I mean, God, God brought me here to tell you, I mean, that you can get the victory over cigarettes. I can look at you right now, hallelujah. That's how strong I feel it. You can put that devil underneath your feet. You can put that devil underneath your feet. It's okay in a Pentecostal service for people to come in and be tormented and then believe liberated. It's okay for people to come bound and then believe set free. I'm telling you. I'm almost through. The musicians, if you would just get ready to make your way up here. I just came off of a 52-day fast. Some of you have done this fast. I've heard some of you mention it. Well, I wish you guys would have told me what would have happened to me during this fast, because I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but that's how fasting is. It always sounds like a good idea. I lost 10 pounds, and I can't afford to lose any pounds. <laughs> I was hoping everybody would sit directly in front of me tonight because if you're sitting on the left or the right, you probably can't see me. <laughs> the first week of this fast, it's normally the other way around. Normally it's hard the first couple weeks and then at some point the angels start to minister to you. But for some reason, this entire fast was in reverse. Let's stand together. Early one Sunday morning, I was here in the back hallway. I was praying. It's quite early. Um, and I remember I felt for the first time in my life, I distinctly felt for the first time in my life the presence of an angel. And I just started weeping uncontrollably. And it had a very strange effect on me. I, I, just, I stood up as straight as I possibly could, almost involuntarily. And I felt as if God was telling me the things that have happened to you that have manifested themselves in your posture. And I've come to heal you. I felt good. 
I was thankful. Some of you have gone through things that it's gotten so deep in your mind and in your spirit, it's manifested itself in the way you've moved physically. I just felt wonderful the first week of the fast. And then out of nowhere, things started happening to me. I've never had lockjaw or whatever they call it, TMJ. For three days, I couldn't open my jaw more than halfway. And I thought, well, you know, it's because I'm not eating, you know. It's probably helping me out. I had Bishop Mayo lay his hands on me and pray for me. The next day, he texted me. He said, how are you doing? I said, a little better. 40 minutes later, my jaw opened up. I said, thank God. Amen. And then, as if that wasn't enough, when I was nine years old, I was hit in the head with a baseball. And my, my head swelled up. The next day, I didn't learn my lesson, and I was playing wall ball. And I was throwing a yellow tennis ball off of a, the broad side of a building in the middle of the day, and I lost track of the tennis ball, and the tennis ball smacked me in the eye, and I went um, blind in one eye temporarily. I, I was nine years old. I thought I lost my vision. It was like looking through this bottle cap, and it was pretty terrifying, to say the least. When we went to the doctors. They said, um, you have Posner Schlossman, and um, it'll, you'll grow out of it. And I grew out of it. Well, on this fast, <laughs> for the first time in nine years since my last episode, I went partially blind in one eye. I said, Lord. And then I began to have the craziest nightmares I've ever had. And one particular night I woke up from a dream that was so vivid, I could recount it, I could paint a picture of it, I could write a small book. But God revealed to me that there was a spirit that has been trying to take my life since I was five years old. Amen. I said, well, now I'm telling this story because I know that some of you have the same experience. And the reality is if the devil could, he would have already. And some of you are standing here today as a living testimony. I said, God, how can this even happen in my life? I thought I was born and raised in church. But you know what? It doesn't matter if you were born and raised in church. You need to crush Satan underneath your feet. Not your parents' feet, your feet. Not your pastor's feet, your feet. God even showed me who the people were who sicked those spirits on me as a young person. So I'm having quite the time on this fast, as you can imagine. But when I got through it, 
I realized that this is what every spirit would do that's ever had access to anybody. There's a reason the spirit left that young man and killed something instantly. Listen, if the devil could, he would reach out beyond the veil between the immaterial and the material world and he would just try to kill you because you already sinned. And he want, but he can't, you can't be judged until you die. Man's appointed once to live and then the judgment. But what the devil wants to do is fast forward the process of your life. And if he could, he would, he would have you judged before, you, before your body saw corruption. Listen, this is not a game that we're playing. And he's trying. Trust me, he's trying. Whether, we're, whether we're, you're aware of it or not, he is trying. But I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus... is an indication that there has been a death and the wages of sin is death. And so whatever that spirit was and whatever it is, no matter how hard it tries, no matter how hard it looks, all of a sudden you disappear in the waters of baptism. And the spiritual GPS signal is lost. And all of a sudden, I mean, who you were ceases to exist because you've taken on the name and the identity of Jesus Christ, the sinless, the sinless, perfect God-man. But that doesn't mean the devil isn't trying. I believe that God has put this church and this body of believers. This region has been locked up until Cornerstone. There's going to be people that get the victory because we have the victory. All over this house, let's lift our hands. As the musicians come, we're, we're going to sing in just a moment, but I believe that God wants someone to have the victory. Because if we can get the victory, the people who walk through this door can get the victory. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Every hand lifted, every, every every eye closed. Let's begin to pray in the name of Jesus. If you've been struggling to get the victory, if you've been struggling to keep the victory, if, you, if you're wondering how everybody else around you can have the victory and how you can have the victory, I've come to tell you that's a lie from the devil. In fact, if you would just go ahead and make your way up to this altar. Amen. If you would just come, grab somebody by the hand. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder. It still has the power.